you're ready to stop submitting basic applications and winging your interview for your next nursing role, whether you're a graduate nurse or a seasoned healthcare professional, we'd love to exclusively invite you to our secret nurse growth hub, where you can get all of the support to apply, interview and land your next nursing role completely free. All of the resources that we've shared and created over the last three years that have helped 3,000 plus nurses internationally apply, interview and land their next nursing role. So what are you waiting for? Come and join us today. It's completely free. LiamCaswell.com forward slash NGH. Come and join the Nurse Growth Hub today and let's make applying, interviewing and landing your next nursing role easy. listening to the High Performance Nursing Podcast with me, Liam Caswell, where I help clinicians just like you take control of their careers and remove all the things stopping you from achieving your biggest goals. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome back to the High Performance Nursing. Today we have a fabulous guest here. We have Lauren Bell. Lauren Bell is a consciousness coach to beautiful, kind, and caring people who know they want more from life. These beautiful souls love to give and nurture others and often dream of helping people in a big way. But the problem is that they forget and neglect themselves and feel frustrated with the lack of confidence and self-belief. They need to know it is possible. And that's where Lauren helps. Lauren heals the limits to your self-worth and self-belief through proven wealth consciousness coaching. Once transformed, you will reveal your natural, authentic enthusiasm, confidence and joy. Allow and attract and enjoy true wellness and wealth at the highest level with Reimagine Your Life with Lauren Bell. Lauren, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Awesome. You've been on the podcast before and we've had some amazing episodes where we've talked about lots of things, mindset, wealth, coaching, the benefits of coaching, burnout, all of the things. But I'd love to start here with you today. I'd love to explore what your career vision or your career why is. What's your purpose in being a consciousness coach? Wow. Because I actually think that everything boils down to consciousness. And this has been my own journey. And I guess really for me is I love exploring for myself and sharing the wisdom that I've, that I, that I learn. And I've always been like that. It's always had this attitude of, I really want to know more. I love learning. I love spirituality. I love holistic health. I love science. I think I blend it all together in a way that's probably quite unique. But I've always wanted to be able to understand it myself and then be able to share it for others, to actually be able to live the best life that they possibly can, to love their life, to live and love an extraordinary life. And in my journey of doing all of that, you know, that's what I've discovered for myself. And it's just getting better and better and better all the time. And I know it's really possible for others. And I guess being a nurse and seeing what I consider beautiful heart-centered people who go out and do so much and yet they don't value themselves. And you and I have talked about it before, that just a nurse thing that, you know, so many nurses say and they're not valuing themselves and they're not seeing their worth. And when we don't see our worth, we actually are not open to receiving all the abundance and all the 
beauty and all the joy that's actually there. Life just feels hard and we're working so hard and and we never seem to be able to get the reward. It's like we just keep working harder and harder and yet Mm. we're still chasing. And I hear that so much from my clients but also my colleagues and I just know that it can be really different but it takes a different way of looking at life and I think that's part of evolution. But to me, if you are a heart-centered person, you're already up there in terms of leadership. So it's just the next step. Mm, I love that. And I love, it's such a compelling why. We always talk about on the podcast, making sure that you have a really clear, you know, compelling career purpose, why, personal why. And I love that. And what I love about connecting with you, Lauren, is that every time we chat, um, there's an evolution, right? Because that's, (laughs) that's not, but that's natural. And I think sometimes it's, heart-centered professionals, we can feel like uh, maybe we're, you know, an imposter, like, because we keep changing or we keep evolving, rather than seeing the beauty in the growth and just allowing yeah. it to become the na- that next thing for you. Um, yeah. And obviously, that's what's come up for you in terms of your consciousness. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, one thing I'd just love to say about that that just popped into my head as you were talking is my coach said to me, my business coach said to me recently, but that's what happens when you're a thought leader. You're going to keep evolving. You can't Mm. now talk about stress and burnout because that's what you were doing last year because now you're on to the next thing. And that's been the story of my whole life. And so I've always said, Oh, you know, I'm a master. No, what is that? The saying, I'm a jack of all trades and I'm mm. a master of none, which is not really true. But actually, I follow a tangent and I get as much information out of it as I possibly can. And then I seem to be lit up by the next thing and I follow that. And that's why I think I love learning so much, but it also keeps me interested and passionate. And yeah, so. Mm. I love that analogy. And um, I don't know if I've shared this with you, or I think I've shared it on the podcast before, uh, the author Liz Gilbert. I'm not sure if I've yeah. shared this. I have shared this with you, that the hummingbird no, versus the sure, jackhammer. I love her too. I yeah, love her too. She's a phenomenal author. And if you haven't read her books, Big Magic is one of my favorite books. And she talks about uh, two types of people in the world. Just kind of very basic thought, but two types of people um, a jackhammer who goes hard and fast and they dive into a specialty and they just go so deep. And there are people that I think about in my career that are specialists or have, you know, they love cardiac, so they stay in cardiac for the whole career. And then there are people that are hummingbirds that, um, you know, fly from you know, plant to plant, flower to flower, and they pick up the pollen and they take it and they scatter it beautifully over the next place that they're in. And then when they've accomplished what they can there, they move on. And when I first heard that, I felt like she was talking directly to me. And I think that there is a lot of belief in healthcare that you need to be a jackhammer to succeed. And I think it's beautiful that both you and I and many other in the industry are showing people that you can be a hummingbird and you can be a beautiful (laughs) thought leader and you can do lots of amazing things and you can um, spread all of your amazing experience, skills and wisdom across the industry and allow it to evolve as you evolve as a person. Yeah, I love you had shared with me and it was the first time I heard it actually about being multi-passionate and I think that mm. is awesome as well. And I love Elizabeth Gilbert too and read Big Magic only at the start of this year and you know what, there was a really big freedom in reading that because she wrote that book, she writes in it that she wrote the book for her. She didn't write it to save the world and to, <laughs> you know, make a difference in all these people's lives. 
And she said, please, all of you, go out there and do what lights you up. Do it for you because as soon as we put that heaviness on, oh, I need to fix you or save you or make you see things differently, etc., it just becomes burdensome. And so that's certainly where I've been really focusing my awareness was that I was starting to feel a little bit drained and once again I can be over-responsible for others and, you know, because I can see things differently for people, it's like I want them to get there too, but it has to be, I'm not here to save a broken world, but I'm here to be a leader and to shine my light and that's what I think that, as I said before, about heart-centeredness. When we're Mm. heart-centered, we're already leading from love and maybe we get a little bit entangled and a little bit enmeshed and we try to fix it for others, but actually that's just the next step of in our evolution to actually understand where our boundaries stop, the difference between being compassionate and perhaps, you know, empathically distressed, et cetera, where we're no longer able to really function. But mm-hmm. when we're compassionate, when we're able to be in that space and love people wherever they're at without judgment, then that to me is sort of where the future's going and what we need. Mm, yeah that's so powerful we love this Gilbert and definitely check that book out I was going to say something else but we could probably talk for hours on that book and I will move <laughs> on and, and save it for another episode you'll have to come back and listen guys for the, yeah. for another Liz Gilbert drop it's either Liz Gilbert or Brene Brown that gets dropped on this podcast well, all the we'll time we'll talk about Brene yet I think too <laughs> I'm sure we will that's so funny Alrighty, um I wanted to talk about just from a career perspective you know, you have immense experience across healthcare. Um, but what I love about you, Lauren, is that you have moved and pivoted and tried lots of different things. You've sampled lots of different things within your career. Talk to us about that process and like pivoting because you did a bit of counseling. You've watched, uh, you obviously run your own business, successful business. You're a speaker, you're an author. How did those things come about? And what did it take for you to kind of just take the leap and just do it? Um. I think for me, it, it has always been about what I'm, <laughs> what am I interested in? So I became a nurse because doing VCE, I loved biology and I thought, well, you know, what do I want to do? And so studying anatomy and physiology was actually really, really exciting to me. So, and then when I saw that nursing was very diverse and there were so many options, that you could work in and you could change, that was attractive too. So I went in and did nursing and I specialized fairly quickly into renal and I loved it. And I, and I, you know, had quite a good career path in there. But I, after about, well, I actually stayed in that area for a long time because I did get a little bit stuck down with the idea of, hang on, I'm a, I'm an ACN or, a, you know, a, I can't even think what you call it now, a, an, an ANUM. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, or a CNS or whatever the term was, you know, you were getting paid just that little bit better. And so the idea of actually refocusing onto something else always seemed a little bit daunting. Mm-hmm. But in doing all of the nursing and sticking with one area, I then started developing more of this holistic therapies. And what became really apparent about that was I loved actually the emotional side of life and really exploring emotions. So not just the Western medical or not just the anatomy and physiology, there was all this other stuff, this energy, this consciousness, this emotional aspect. And so doing that, 
I was working with clients and they were coming and telling me their deepest stories and, and their hurts and wounds and I wanted to be able to help them further but also to make sure that I wasn't, you know, if they were sharing this with me that I wasn't traumatising them in any further details. So then I went and did counselling to support that. So it's just sort of been this evolution. It's not been that I've sort of totally seen where I wanted to be. As I was doing counselling and then I spent nine months in a secondary college in the wellbeing department doing counselling and I was able to incorporate some of my holistic therapies such as EFT, which is um, it stands for emotional freedom technique and it is evidence-based and they were very encouraging for me to incorporate that as well. Mm. And I love that. And then I was sort of thinking, you know, nursing and counselling is sort of helping people who are not, you know, are struggling in some way mm. just to come back to normal. But I love the idea of actually people really going into their potential, you know, being as well as they could be, actually getting so much more out of life, you know, milking it for everything. <laughs> and that's when coaching came in. And so the idea of that was, you know, moving you from ordinary to extraordinary was sort mm. of my tagline for a long time. And because I saw that most people too, they'll be quite doing quite well in many parts of their life, but there'll be one area that really sticks them. It's like a thorn in their side that they just can't seem to get over. And that's where coaching comes in because the idea is, as you know, you find someone who has already done it for first and then they can help you get them way quicker. They ask the right questions and help mm. you to see parts of yourself that you, you know, are blocked to you. Because when we're the fish in the fishbowl, we don't notice it. You know, we can see it for others, but we can't see it for ourselves. So, yeah, so that's where the coaching came in. And then through the coaching, I went into wealth mindset. And then the wealth mindset part for me, that was the bit that really blew everything up because that's when I ended up tripling my own income and just starting to really understand that my wealth was equal to my worth and mm -hmm. that all of these feelings that are so common like I'm not good enough or I have to prove myself or I'm doing this and I'm giving and giving and giving to sort of basically feel worthy enough to receive that's when I really sort of was able to see how, yeah, everything in my life has been a journey all leading mm. to this point, which is that we need to value ourselves so much more and be open to receiving instead of just giving, 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 giving all the time because it's all part of the same continuum. And if we're giving all the time, then we're not open to receiving. And that's why we feel as though we don't get enough support. We don't, we can't ask for help. You know, we don't know how to say no, we're not asking for our, the income that we deserve, we're, we're um, saying yes when they want to cut our evening shift allowances and things like that because we're not sort of recognising how valuable we really are. Mm. It's so, I, I don't know, a lot of people thinking, uh, listening might be thinking, you know, I'm a nurse, I think my income is capped, you know, I work in a job where, the, the union or the EBA states that I can only make 80K a year, whatever. How does it work in that sense, you know, increasing your abundance and, and being open to receiving more? Because unlike our colleagues in the US, I think there might be a few US listeners, I think in the US they do a lot of negotiating. 
around their salary. And we see a lot of that online. And I, for one, have never negotiated my salary here as a nurse or in the UK. So how does that look for us here? Yeah, I agree. And I I think there's a couple of things. I have negotiated my salary here. When I was uh, invited to do a particular position, they said to me, they told me what my rate would be. And I actually said, no, I'm not going to do it for that. You know, I think it was equivalent to the rate that I was already on. It was like, well, why would I go and do something more? Even though, you know, some people might have said, well, it was a sideways promotion or something like that. But there was no attraction for me to go through all of that training, et cetera, to do it. So I just said, no, I wouldn't do it. And then so they offered the next thing. I think that's part of it. Sometimes at the moment they're so desperate, you know, and they, they are paying agency nurses. And I'm an agency nurse. I think we actually really do earn our money and I think we provide a great service. And, you know, they're so, I mean, in that respect, the income can be a lot higher. But once again, it's still standing in your value because some agencies will pay a lot less than others and, you know, some of them have gone in for contracts with hospitals and other agencies won't go and work with them and there's plenty of nurses out there who are saying, well, I won't work for that agency now. But when you're in a role that's capped and, you know, what's the next thing you want? Like because how many want to do more in their job, in their career, but they're holding themselves back because they don't have the confidence. And that's where you come in, you know, Mm. understanding your skills and actually being able to speak them. I think that's the other part. We're not very good at promoting ourselves and saying how valuable we are. And even as nurses, we might want to change to a different area. And a lot of nurses can't see how they can be transferable, those, those skills. I heard the other day that the, I don't know, I can't quite remember, but it's like the resource part of, um, you know, triple O, mm-hmm. <laughs> the um, mm-hmm. emergency services, that one of the levels in there is is nurses who actually act, I think, as a bit of a triage or something like that. And all you have to have is like to be an RN. And I believe they're, they're recruiting at the moment and they're mm-hmm. starting Hey, I could, you know, I could be wrong, but I got told the other day it was around about 110k. So there's a lot of opportunities out there. Mm. You just have to think differently. So I guess where I come in and the way wealth consciousness works is actually how starting to see how much we really are receiving all the time. And so we tend to look at our pay and say that's the only way we can get money in. But actually, we're receiving all the time if we can open to it. And the more we open to it and the more we celebrate it, the more we enjoy it, the more we say, yes, please, thank you, I love this, you know, more, 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 the more it comes in. And it can be simple little things like the doctor bought us a cup of coffee for morning tea. Well, really celebrate that. Thank you. That's awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Mm. You know, it's the gratitude and the thanks for for actually having what you get. Someone says to you, you know, I'll buy you dinner. And so instead of saying, no, 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 it's okay, I don't want that, say yes, like yes, please, thank you, and know that you deserve it because it'll it'll come around, it goes around. It's Mm. not meant to be – money is meant to be circulated, you know, our – we give all the time and if we don't, even if someone says, can I dry the dishes for you or anything, open the door for you, it's it's just part of saying, okay, great, thanks. It's all part of the flow. And so once we move into that type of wealth consciousness, 
then all sorts of things start to happen. And for an example, I'm about to go on a holiday, I'm hiring a car and I remembered and I'm actually going from my son's doing this crazy run at the moment, so I'm going to crew for him. I'll give him a plug. It's called um, Sean, Sean Bell Run for Wishes. So he's running for Make-A-Wish Foundation and he's running from Cairns to Melbourne, so, you know, three and a half thousand kilometres. I've been <laughs> yeah, following so his charity. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go on crew for him and I decided I'd hire a car just to make things a bit easier. And in the process of that, I remembered a friend of mine has some sort of contact. So in the end, it saved me something like $200 cash. But not only that, instead of having this $4,400 claims accident thing hanging over my head, mm. it's reduced down to $100. Yeah, now, wow. that's abundance. That's mm. wealth mindset. That's consciousness. And I'm like, thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, an email came through actually was a bit incorrect and that said that my my whole fee was going to be $240 instead of $700. And I was like, wow, that's really amazing. But actually, he said, no, no, that's not quite right. And then he texted me today and it was still $100 left. But more than, more importantly, it was that insurance that, that got mm-hmm. reduced, you know. So it's seeing it in all sorts of places. And I guess this is where my spirituality comes in. It's you know, I don't know whether you call it God or the universe or some greater force or entity or love or is is the source, is the supply. And things like our work, gifts, you know, people helping out, other people, they're just channels. They're not actually the cause. It's 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 the it's, you know, our source is from some greater power. So when you move into that mindset, that's when you can really start to see I'm being supplied all the time. And truthfully, I've always had enough. And most of us here, you know, in this in the first world, we have had enough. Maybe we want more, but as we focus on what we've already got and be really grateful and thankful and celebrate it, like I just said, the more we can open to receive it. Yeah, there's so many truths in there. And I think so many uh, self-limiting beliefs will be busted or be questioned and challenged in what you just said, because I do think that we do feel capped as an industry because we buy into the CBA and then we feel like we can't negotiate. I've never had a staff member negotiate with me. I would I would have loved for that to have happened as an experience. Um, but we don't even, it's not even on the table, is it really? And what was interesting for me when you were saying that was I moved into the private sector. My last role was in the private sector in a digital health role and the salary was phenomenal. The salary was the highest, like, I was being paid for six months, $80,000 for six months work. The, the take home was 170 k That salary for me just blew my mind because it wasn't, it didn't even seem possible in the industry. And then I raised my awareness that there are people external to that. But here's the challenge. The sticking point for me in that move was that I didn't feel worth it. You know, I had that internal narrative that I was running because I'd never been less busy. (laughs) To be honest, I was being paid double the amount of money that I was used to being paid. And I really had a lot less work to do, no stress, no worry, no team reporting to me. It was just so bizarre. And those opportunities are out there, but obviously the work that you do helps people align themselves so that they're more willing and able and capable to open up to that so that they can receive that because I, I couldn't and I didn't stay in that role for a number of reasons, but one of them was because I felt like I was being fraudulent. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, what's really interesting, so, yeah, I have a program called Reimagine Your Wealth and we do a lot of work about exactly that because we do. It's like we have a glass ceiling and so yeah. we'll have a level of deservingness. Now, that is our how much money we can receive for our work, but it's also things like how much time off or how hard you have to work for it or, you know, just how kind and caring you can be and how compassionate to yourself. And so what can happen is like when we get a big increase in wage like you did and you don't feel worthy of it, then we'll end up working 120 hours a week to negate the guilt and and it's it's not like it's not guilt that we're really aware of and in fact you know it's really interesting that you've actually reflected to see that I didn't really feel worthy but that's Mm. really it's this inner shame that that runs within us and it's because at some level we've broken rules like our family rules or the tribal rules about what's what's acceptable and Mm. so my work is always about increasing that glass ceiling and each time we step up we have to keep doing the work you know Mm -hmm. um i've got so many good stories about clients and things but even in one of my free seminars i did do a deserving process and one of the guys in it was about to negotiate for a new job well actually he was applying for a new job and they offered it to him and he'd just done the process with me on the weekend and then they offered him a salary that was quite a bit less than what he wanted and he just said to them straight out, no, no thanks. Anyway, they came exactly to where he wanted but he said he would never have stood up to that before doing that Mm. process with me because it was that real stepping into, no, I am worth this, I am valuable, you know. Yeah, and I think a lot of clinicians listening will resonate with that because we do believe that, you know, it's it's the, the money on the page is what we are worth and what we deserve. And, and the reality is, um, like you say, we give so much. So it feels almost deplete. Like it feels like the 80K or the 100K, whatever, you know, that's all well and good. But we feel like we deliver value of, you know, 200K, whatever it comes to mind for you as an individual. And then that's what we kind of get back in return. And I think for me, one of the journeys or the thoughts that are held or the beliefs was that money, more money would bring me happiness. And I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Um, I'm probably still a little bit unsure on that myself um, because the more that I built my career, the more money that I attracted into my life, the more so that I thought I would be happier. And I found that maybe not necessarily to be true for me. I find that yeah. I had more stress and overwhelm and worry. And a lot of people don't go for the promotions with me, working with me, because they're so worried about that. What seems minute change in pay for for yeah. what's coming? Yeah, because, and that's right, we have to sort of unpack the belief systems that go with it. And a lot of time it does feel like, hang on a second, am I going to not have a life? Am I going to, you know, have to take on even more responsibility? Am I going to have to work harder? I already feel like I am mm-hmm. don't have enough time. And that's the point. We actually don't really want more money. We want what we think more money will bring. So Mm. what is it that you really wanted? And usually it's freedom and it's freedom to be able to do what we want to do and to work the hours that we want to work and not work so hard, have more time with our family. So it's more about life balance. And, 
you know, it could be also questioning and I think COVID and the lockdowns and all of that has actually made us stop and question why are we working so hard to pay these great big mortgages, etc. when really what I want to do is spend more time with my family and not work so hard. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's why there's been a lot of people moving to beachside and, and regional suburbs and downsizing and just not being so caught up in this mindset that you've just got to give and give or, or, you know, work and work and work so hard because it actually doesn't really bring you what you're wanting. What you're really craving is perhaps something different. Yeah, that's so good. I feel like I probably need to send you a bill for um <laughs> for coaching at the end of that because I definitely re- resonate with the freedom. I think a lot of people are looking for freedom at the moment. I certainly, when you said that, think wow that's that's the path that I'm on it's not necessarily about you know being the next nurse millionaire it's about being uh free to do what I want with my time and creating a life around that um and so many people like you say are looking for that at the moment and it's available right a lot of people think that it's not a lot of people think that it has to be done in the traditional way but I guess we're leading by example in the sense that you can dabble in the hospital and you can also build wealth outside of that yeah and one of the things that i do think as you increase your your wealth or and your income or your earning capacity and whether it's through you know some passive incomes or whatever it doesn't matter but basically you're receiving more money in you can buy back your time and that's mm. really important because, you know, I have a, a, a lady who comes and cleans for me every week and I love it. Like it just makes me feel, I feel great. But not only that, I have a lovely clean home and, <laughs> um, you know, just a bit, but the, the, the feeling I get from having coming home, you know, I might have worked a shift that day and coming home and the house is beautiful and I can light my candles and start my weekend and it just feels really, feels really abundant and I'm really grateful for it. So, and it's, it's not expensive, you know, mm. but it's worth it. So it's like tuning into what's behind it. What do I really love about it? You know, I've got a beautiful car and I love my car. I love the way I feel when I'm driving my car, you know, and it's not like it's, it's not over the top, but it's certainly a nicer car than I had, you know, mm. five years ago and, and so on. But as I really increased my value of who I am, I decided that for me, and I was spending a lot of time in the car, it was really important for me to have a, a, a lovely car. And I do, I love my car. I love, I love the way it looks. And, you know, I, <laughs> anyway, it, I was going to say, I, you know, went and washed it the other day and or went through one of those washes. <laughs> but all of those things, I think, you know, just, and that's where the opening up to receiving again, like why not let someone else who's in their talent, who's really good at doing things. You know, I have um, people who help me with my books. I have a team of VAs to help me. They're all brilliant at what they do and I'm not good at that. So mm. I I would rather go and work and do a great job, you know, nursing or in my coaching and then paying someone else to be able to do what they're great at for me. And to me, that's what's beautiful. You know, you're creating this beautiful team of people and support around you. Mm, And it allows you to stay in your zone of genius. You know, whether you're an entrepreneur, a nursepreneur, or you work in the ward, like it doesn't matter where you are. You're a nurse unit manager. It allows you to stay in your zone of genius and come home and not have to worry about the things that are 
you know, that don't light you up, you know, remove those things. And we live in the day and age of outsourcing. And I'm glad you kind of talked about that. It, you know, even though it does cost obviously money to, to have people help and support us. I mean, for podcast editing for this podcast, auto edit it. I could not think of anything worse. I did it for about a month when I was trying to be really tight <laughs> with my money and I hated it. I really enjoyed yeah. chatting, talking, creating a platform um, and talking about issues, but I could not think of anything worse than, than editing this podcast. So, um, and that doesn't mean that we're not fabulous because we're great when we when we do podcast interviews, but the, the issue is it's just not my zone of genius. And therefore I accept that I need people's help for that. And I think as clinicians, we struggle because sometimes maybe there's not help there clinically, you know, like in, in the workplace. So we're looking for help and it's not available. So maybe that's an abundant block uh, per se. Maybe that's a, an issue. Um, we don't have abundance of staff. You know, we don't have abundance of time. Like if we look at it and we really look at the data or the numbers, that's probably the perception on the front line. Um, what are your thoughts about that? How can we bring abundance into clinical life and, and see more of it in our clinical roles? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think it is really hard, but I think once again, it still comes back to worth knowing that you can only be in one place at a time, that if you're doing your best in the role and that that they want more and more, well, that's impossible. So rather than me buy into that and sort of, you know, feel guilty that I'm not being crazy super nurse any more than what I'm already doing, that and taking on guilt and blame and, you know, extra shifts and things when I don't really want to. It, it really is about us, you know, having boundaries and being able to stand in our own value and know that when I'm doing my job that I'm actually present and focused. And if I'm concentrating on what I need to do right now, I'm actually grounded. I'm actually not in a stressful place, I'm not spinning out of control and I can actually be much more effective and efficient. And I really found that it's when we stack, I've got to do this and this and this and this on top of everything. It just already puts us into stress mode and we're in fight and flight. We can't operate well. You know, our conversations, we're not speaking clearly. We're just, we're just not able to function really. Mm -hmm. And so I find it's really does come back to being really present and really focused on where I am right now. And when I do that, it seems like I have plenty of time. And I'm also mm. enjoying myself. And so I think that's part of it too. So it's, it's really is managing mindset a lot, but it's about being really present and grounded and strong in our own body mm. and not sort of judging that we're not doing good enough. Because if we're already trying to fill the, the role of 10 people and there's only one of me, well, then that's an impossibility. Mm. And I think. The problem with that is, is that we do want to do a good job and we have high standards, but it's just about being realistic too, because that type of pressure, that, that's what burns you out. That's the moral injury of I'm not doing the job that I want to do here. And then really what happens is we, it, we can't cope with it and we do burn out and we do become anxious and in mm. conversations or, communication in workplaces is not as good as it could be and people aren't giving each other enough compassion for what's really going on for everybody. Mm. I think that something that I notice in, in clinical life and what I've reflected a lot on is this idea, and you mentioned it, of being cognitively overloaded, 
the whole time from the minute you get to work to the minute you leave um, and then not really having real structures or plans in place for that. I don't think as an industry we've even tackled that or thought about addressing it and it is fascinating to me that we come on at seven o'clock in the morning and we get 30 patients information, <laughs> you know, like yeah. we literally have just woke up and we get 30 people's information and we're supposed to retain most of that. It's just not humanly possible. And then, you know, if we use a shift planner, you know, we're seen as like a junior nurse or something, you know, like if we use something to dump our thoughts down onto and create a plan, it's kind of like more geared towards newbies versus like people that have been in the industry for a longer time which is really interesting because in not planning our days effectively, what you were just effectively saying was that we're setting ourselves up to fail. You know, yeah. we're creating these unrealistic working conditions for ourselves, for our peers. We are assuming that people can read minds. <laughs> we get resentful and angry about things that come up and we operate in a reactive state for eight hours and maybe that's part of inviting abundance into our day is being able to plan your day out at 7 30 and say look how abundant my day is look at what i'm going to be able to achieve today and look at the yeah. gaps that i've created so that i can give back to myself and go and take that break that i never take um because we know from a mindset psychology standpoint that planning ahead of time is always better than operating in a reactive state. And I think most clinicians would relate to working 90 to 95% in a reactive state because we think that the work is unpredictable. But there is a large yeah. part of our work that's predictable that we, yes. could, we could really focus on inviting more abundance into. I think that's why I left ward work. I was working as a, a Anum on the ward and taking a patient load and feeling like I wasn't doing a good job for any of it. But ultimately it was because I hated being in reaction. I hated mm. having to deal with something when it happened as I work in anesthetics and a lot of it's about planning and being aware of what, you know, is going to happen and preparing um, for it. And, of course, sun toward things happen, but you still partially planned for it anyway. So it's a little bit different. But I agree. I think uh, why is it not okay to plan? If that is how you perform best, own it and just say, okay, you know, yeah. and if someone else thinks, oh, you're a newbie, well, let them think it. You know, this is where we've all got to get so much, once again, own our worth and our value and stay in our own lane. Like, you know, if someone else, someone else is a visual learner, someone else hears and takes in information better that way. Someone else is dyslexic and has a, has a difficulty in processing information in the way that someone else does. Like we're all different, but we're all valuable and we all have our own unique skill sets. And I think that's the, the thing is we really are stressed a lot more than what we recognize. And when we're stressed, we're reactionary. We don't actually communicate well. We don't, you know, there's so much that's not good about it. And yet when we can really understand that everyone is in that place and have more compassion and then have more compassion for ourselves and take specific care to shake it out, you know, mm -hmm. go and ground, go and dance, go and go for a walk, go and do whatever it is that suits you to actually calm down your nervous system mm -hmm. and the better and better, the better and better 
at that you get, the more you can recognize when you're, you know, destabilizing and you're actually not working very well and you can do something about it. And even if you say, I need to time out, I need to go and do this, you know, it's, mm. it's owning your value again. And if you're not going to be a very good clinician in that moment because you're not coping, then own it, you know, um, let someone know. Like I think that's where we all have to be so much more supportive of what the situation, what the workplace is really like mm. and stop having these unrealistic expectations that we can do it all and we can do the role of 10 nurses because we can't. No. And I think one of the greatest gifts that I've noticed in coaching is that when you create space for yourself to, to really get to know yourself and raise your consciousness, as you talk about, um, and evolve to that next level of who you are and really tap into what it is that you want or even just start exploring it, that is when the magic happens. You know, that is when, as a clinician, you begin to evolve. And I think that that is the fundamental missing piece in the system, the TAFE, the uni, um, and then in the workplace. You know, we, we don't even really get to know each other. Uh, you know, you try your best, but do we really know what kind of learner Lauren is and, and how she wants to show up and what her, you know, preferences are and like who she, who she really is. And I was thinking about this the other day in terms of the grads that I work with, you know, a lot of them start their graduate years and they feel so frustrated, burnt out, exhausted, disempowered seven weeks in. Because yeah. here's the thing, the system is totally flawed in the sense that you and I could be on the panel and we're picking where these strangers are going to go and spend a year of their life. I just don't think that it's an overly efficient, effective system and it doesn't consider the individual. You know, it really doesn't allow us to step into our true power and be like, what is it that Lauren really wants in her nursing career? Because we put all of that in the application, yet you really want anesthetics, but you get aged care. You know, like that's, it can be really difficult then to avoid burnout, to adopt a positive, abundant mindset. What would you say to people that are listening that are maybe going through that from a mindset consciousness perspective? Um, I think, you know, ultimately we have to see where we're really at right now, right here, right now. And if it's really not working for you. So, you know, I've got my soaring free model, which I basically created after going through burnout myself. And so the first, it all starts with self. So it's partly giving yourself enough time and belief that, you know, you're worthy of this, but to be really honest. So, you know, what's happening for you? Are you enjoying it? You know, what's going on? Why are you just going with these uh, this expectations of others, etc. if that's not really right for you? Mm. And then, uh, you know, in my model, it sort of then moves on to being responsible. So it's responsible for you but not for everybody else. You know, you're not here to save everybody. You can't do the job of 10 nurses. You you have to be realistic about where are you being over-responsible for, for others or situations or, you know, trying to control outcomes that aren't really yours to do and where are you being under-responsible for looking after yourself and having boundaries and, you know, speaking your needs, et cetera. And so that moves into boundaries. So then being able to have a boundary and Brene Brown, she <laughs> talks about it beautifully about how the most compassionate people have boundaries and they know where they stop and the other person starts. Because when we don't have boundaries, there's all that almost an enmeshment. We, we end up sort of, we don't know where we are. We don't know what we want. We can't speak 
our truth for ourselves and we end up being pulled out of alignment and that makes us unhappy as well. And so the next part for me is beliefs, you know, what are your beliefs? And and all of this does take a little bit of time and unpacking, but are your beliefs actually empowering you? Because if you've got a belief running that's, you know, I'm not good enough, well, if you're a, a new nurse to the area, well, no one can be a master of anything till 10,000 hours or something, you know. And so we expect to be able to go in and be perfect and people expect that of us too, which is ridiculous. You know, where's the compassion? Where's the understanding? And I think that all boils down to the fact that we're so short-staffed, so I'm going on a bit of a tangent here, but, you know, these expectations that we should be able to hit the ground running and be brilliant in what we're doing, I still learn and I've been nursing for over 30 years. I mean, every day I still come up against new things that, that, that challenge me in some ways, but I don't take it as a, I take it that as a joy, not as a, so it's reframing. All of it comes back to reframing, you know, what's your mindset on it? Are you looking at the negative or are you seeing the learning and the opportunities? And, you know, if you need help or you need, um, mentoring, you know, seek it out. And I really wish that we did have supervision in nursing, but we're so short staffed. I can't even imagine it, but you know, most, industries out there like counseling and social work and psychology and so forth they have supervision to look after them as the carer but also so that they can check in and see did I do the right thing there you know I'm a little bit unsure about what happened I don't like how I reacted what could I have done and so that supervision becomes like a mentorship but it's recognizing the value of you and the role that you're doing and understanding that you're also on a growth journey and that you know, we're not, we don't just suddenly get it and we're perfect and that's it. It's, it's our whole life, you know. Mm, there's a fundamental. Last, oh, yeah, sorry, go for it. No, you go. Uh, oh, well, the very last um, area of my model is um, using tools and so tools that support you. So it's knowledge really. And so that's where I use tapping. And the reason I use tapping or EFT or emotional freedom technique is because it helps us to reduce the stress that we're actually feeling over an issue and reframe it so that helps those changing beliefs and things like that and to release emotions that are actually stuck in our body. And then when we can do that, well, we can see things differently, we can see more opportunities, we have more emotional intelligence, we have more boundaries and more confidence. It all just sort of keeps building on it. So so sort of that's that's how I sort of work it through. And that's really was just unpacking what I did when I, after I went through burnout. And that's what I do with my coaching clients. I sort of mm. take them through this continual, it's a bit continual and it's not like just a cycle. It's, but you can use any of these tools really in a way, but they all build upon each other. Mm. Yeah, it is. Um, it is really fascinating that as a profession, we still, aren't even adopting the concept of supervision or thinking that it should be something that should be integrated. I read a report by the ICN this week and it was talking about the shortages and all of that. And I couldn't find anything in there about introducing mentorship, preceptorship. And that, here's the thing, like mentorship is great. You know, what we really need in the industry is co- it's that supervision coaching space. It's an amalgamation of all of those things so that we have a psychologically safe space to explore, develop, grow, not just professionally. Because I think that when we go to work, we think I'm here to be a renal nurse and, you know, I need to, 
upskill and my pathology reading skills. But we've already learned all of that. We can continue to build on that. We are completely missing the mark in the personal side of things. And we're, you know, we are people dealing with people in a really shitty, challenging situation. And, you know, there's a huge gap there. There's just a massive gap for us. And and we need to fill it with something that is empowering and that sustains nurses within the profession rather than, you know, I saw a stat this week, 75% healthcare workers planning to leave by 2025. You know, you can't avoid that negative truth. But, you know, what are we doing? (laughs) What are we doing as an industry to really fill that gap? And I think one way to do that would be starting to, um, make the time for mentorship, preceptorship, supervision within the workforce. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think there's been a mass exodus across all sorts of industries and I think it's partly people are just saying, I've had enough of toxic cultures, I've had enough of blame cultures, I've had enough of of not being supported and I'm not going to put up with it anymore. I mean, you know, once again, going back to nursing and wages, I mean, you can go and work in a lot of other industries and earn the same sorts of money as a nurse and and not take on all that responsibility and take on all of the other stress that we have, you know. So I don't blame a lot of people for getting out of there, especially when there's, you know, bullying and just the hierarchy and the way that people are spoken to and, and I understand a lot of the time it can be stress that's causing it, but it also doesn't make it right. And if mm. someone is rude and speaks to you rudely, even because they're stressed, where's their accountability to come back and say to you, I'm really sorry about that. I didn't handle it wrong. You know, that's maturity. That's mm. emotional intelligence. That's leadership. And so I think once again, coming and why I focus on self-work is because to me, the organisational and a problem, it's huge. And it's not just the organisation. I mean, of course, it goes on to government policy because, and it dawned on me the other day because I was looking at a video that was talking about moral injury as being a big cause of burnout. And I thought, yeah, that's really true. And I thought, oh, I've always sort of blamed that particular organisation for, well, I, I I haven't always. I, I did at first and then I worked through it. But I was blaming that organisation saying, oh, it's the culture of that organisation. But actually most of them are the same and that's because they're like a middleman and the government is giving them their budgets and their resources. And until as a society, as a society we value people caring and educating and keeping our country safe through you know the services and actually paying appropriately for those services you know instead of giving them no money like look at aged Mm. care Mm. we've got an aging population it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger no one wants to work in it and why would you because they're not treated well the bullying apparently is quite Mm. horrific in a lot of places the care is not good because they don't have the funding or the money or the staffing levels. You know, I even had a patient the other day who was uh, a, ch- ch- a chief cook, um, not not probably the term she used for it, <laughs> but um, she was saying how it was burning her out because, you know, she had $8.80 per day to spend on three meals or and uh, extras for each resident. 
And I'm like, that's just ridiculous. And they were trying to, you know, what? Uh, Anyway, Mm. so once again, it comes back to this, where is the value for caring for our people and caring for each other? Mm, Such a good message in the sense that we can get really caught up uh, in the external, in the circumstance, and it is bigger than us. You know, and all you can do is reclaim your power and, and acknowledge that you have a choice. I mean, if I had like a megaphone to all healthcare professionals, it would be you are choosing this path. Like in the nicest, compassionate, respectful, kindest way, you are choosing this. So if you're choosing it, make sure that it's bloody well damn empowering for you and that it aligns with you. No one is forcing you to be there. You can make the money outside of that. And it's totally possible for you, whether you've got eight kids or whether you're single or whether you're, you know, older in life, it doesn't matter. You know, you can do whatever it is that you want to do. And that abundance is there for you. Um, It comes down to choice. You're choosing to be in a workplace that's treating you like that and devaluing your worth. Yeah, and I think that's right. And people get scared that they won't be employed somewhere else. Gosh, there's so much work out there at the moment. Mm. You know, it's it's you can pick and choose. You really can. And so, I mean, I still not that long ago worked a 12-hour shift and they came and asked me if that was okay and I said yes but see the difference is I actually said yes and they asked me and I could have said no I'm, I'm I need to go and I don't have to give them any reasons the other day some they also got asked and I said I have to leave at 3 p.m didn't tell them why and they were just like yep okay because you know and there's that much work at the moment that we can actually be that specific about mm. what works for us. But I don't feel guilty about that. You know, once upon a time, you don't want to let your teammates down and your colleagues down, but actually it's a, once again about standing in your value. And I then think let's lead by example. If I have strong boundaries and I can do that for me, then I'm hoping that that effect might rub off on someone else who also sees it for them and will do the same for them instead of feeling the other way of like, you know, I'm letting I'm letting others down and that type of thing. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, Lauren, in particular around um, wealth and you know consciousness and worth in the workplace. I work with a lot of people. Some people go for positions and they don't get them, um, and they make that mean something about them. You know, they're looking for that promotion because of the monetary value. And I'm curious, like, how you would recommend those people approach that. I mean, obviously, I coach them on it and we we step through it. But we are meaning-making machines. And the message that some people receive in that situation is, or the, the story they tell themselves is, I'm not worthy of that promotion. Um, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, such a good question. And um, once again, you're right, we're meaning-making machines. And I've I've had my fair share of jobs that I went for too and that I didn't get. And you do feel rejected. You do feel... Um, you know, upset that, that you didn't do as well or didn't get the job. And so number one, I think really is honor your emotions. Actually, we're human beings and that's partly being in our body, being in our feelings and just honoring our emotions. The meaning making is like, okay, well, what story are you telling yourself? Like maybe, maybe you just weren't the right fit or I always sort of I always think that everything happens for a reason or mm. is happening for you. And I guess that's, that is my wealth consciousness and this mindset that actually 
things happen are always happening for you, not to you. So once again, taking you out of victim, allowing you to take responsibility. So in that responsibility, we can always learn something. So did I prepare well? What did, you know, what, what did I do? And rather than making it mean something about you, you know, I had a, a, a friend of mine who went for a job. She didn't get it. They told her that she did really well. But the thing that she didn't do really was that she didn't promote herself very good. Mm-hmm. So she very well. She she wasn't great at, at being able to show where her skills were transferred across or, you know, some experience and things like that. I mean, it could be that they just didn't think you were going to be a good fit. But I've Mm. looked also in hindsight, I didn't get certain jobs, which at times I was upset. And then a few months later, different things, opportunities have opened up or I've looked at it and gone, gosh, I wouldn't have been able to do that given where I'm at now, like suddenly I was pregnant or whatever else. Mm. Um, Or I looked at the role that someone else had got that I didn't get and seeing how what it was like for them, thinking I'm so glad I didn't get that. Or just there's Mm. another opportunity that comes. Like so using this is where being responsible actually is really good because we can always learn. So what's the lesson? What's the gift? How can I be different in it? Um, you know, just sort of taking on the responsibility of it that this happened and it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with me. If that's your mm. default way of thinking, then I do encourage you to seek someone out and actually work through it because it's like you're not alone. It's very, very common for this I'm not good enough or I'm not important. And I think that's very prevalent in nursing industry you know once again this hierarchy and this I'm just a nurse and this not valuing ourselves Mm. but actually those are just beliefs and they're not true and they can be changed so yeah if you've got something going on like that just question what am I making it mean about me and is it really true because most of the time it's not but a lot of our beliefs and programming they we we take them on board and learn them from very young ages. So they feel very true to us, but actually when we unpack it and then release the emotional charge around it too, it's so freeing and you start to step-by-step value yourself more, see your worth, Mm. you know, step into it and start celebrating it. So once again, look at everything that's actually really working for you that's showing up in your life have gratitude for it, celebrate it. You know, it's not big noting or being arrogant, any of Mm. those things. It's actually just really important. So, yeah. Mm. I love that. And it's about seeing the abundance in that opportunity, even just getting to that point, right? Getting to the point, getting through the interview, having that exposure, that lesson, lessons learned. And then I always say to people at the end of that, just be so proud of yourself, like just give yourself so much compassion um, and respect for pushing your boundaries and stepping outside your comfort zone. Um, because like you say, there are an array of factors uh, that it could be, but your brain's automatically going to default to whatever stories you're telling yourself. And they are 99.9% of the time not true yeah. <laughs> and not overly and empowering. Yeah, I love just even what you just said then too, you know, just the fact that you went for it, you know, you're expanding your mind and what's possible. Mm. And it's like you're inviting the universe to say, okay, I am ready to step up. So just see it as a, it's another step. Next time I'll do better or, you know, next time and, and learn, let it, 
be curious. I always say be curious as to what you're feeling and what you're thinking. It's actually okay. You can unpack it and feel great from doing that as opposed to I think we worry that we're going to go down some rabbit hole and never come out again. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I love that. So um, as we wrap up today, Lauren, thank you so much. We have covered so much. We've talked all the things, wealth, mindset, consciousness, career, leadership, burnout, everything. I love our chats. Um, I love to wrap up with a rapid fire and throw some quick quick questions at you um, and see, see what you've got. Just a bit of fun um, okay. to wrap it off. So first question is, um, this might be hard. I was saying to Lord earlier, these questions are a little bit too bad. Um, so name one thing or you know, highlight one thing that's really helped you reshape your money mindset. Hmm. I, I guess it was, I mean, I did tapping into wealth coaching. So it was, it was actually blending EFT with how much money do you earn? How much do you want to earn? Like, and basically that's what I do in my coaching program. So that was huge for me. But it was just even right from the beginning when I very first learned it, um, it was actually understanding that we have always an emotional signature that's operating in our life. And we think that our money creates this emotional signature. But what we learn very, very quickly in the work that I do is it's actually the emotional signature that creates our money. And so mm. understanding that, starting to become conscious to it, catching myself when I said things like, oh, I can't afford that, and then going, well, that's not really true. You know, just these silly things that we say that are just, we're just parroting what We've heard our parents saying perhaps or some sort of experience in our life and we just we basically keep reinforcing the same thing. So mm -hmm. it's really that understanding, being curious, where am I limiting myself? Um, I think that was the big thing. The other part is just understanding un abundance and that we actually live in a very abundant universe. But once mm -hmm. again, are we where are we focusing our mindset? So if we're focusing on lack, well, we have a, an abundance of lack. Mm, that's so powerful. So good. What is your biggest life lesson for clinicians? They're not very quick rapid fire, are they, Lauren? No. <laughs> <laughs> I told you they were deep. We're having a deep day. I think I, I, I look for me and where I'm at in my journey and where I'm loving my life now is because I'm actually bringing all of me. I'm able to talk about mm. spirituality and wealth mindset and emotions and holistic therapies as well as science and, you know, um, evidence-based techniques and just all of that. And so now I am true to me and able to speak it, whereas I did always censor myself and feel like I couldn't really show myself. So I was hiding. And so I think for all of us, it really just always comes back to know you are valuable, that you are worthy, that you are unique. We're all unique, but we're all brilliant. You know, to me, um, God doesn't make mistakes. Like all, everyone is different. Everyone is has their own worth, their own value to give. And it's not like he went, oh, 
oh, I made a mistake on Liam. Or perhaps I'll do better with Lauren or it might have been the other way around considering I'm older. <laughs> but, um, you know, it doesn't happen like that. So to me, understanding that truth and really owning it, and I'm still developing and understanding that now, but the more and more I grow into all of that, like I just, I see the value of everybody. It doesn't matter what we're doing. It's not about who we're doing, you know, what we're doing. It's really who we're being. And I think that's what's really important. So it's do what you love, follow your light. You know, if you're feeling like this doesn't work for you and your heart's, heart and body is really sore, then tune into it and say, what do I really want to do? Mm, I love that. How exciting that continual growth mindset and adopting a holistic approach to our own lives is what you're saying. You know, instead of just being this just a nurse, we deliver holistic patient-centered care. We're pretty good at it as well. How about we actually just position that back on ourselves and deliver you know holistic care to ourselves and give ourselves that space so beautiful last question that i have for you is what's your impossible career goal or your impossible life goal I don't believe in impossible. Is it, you know? <laughs> the, the idea, the idea behind it is, what is something that seems like it's so impossible, but you know you're going to achieve it, like you know it's coming, but because there's abundance, of course, but it just yeah. feels like wow, that's that's huge. And if I could achieve that, when I achieve that, it will be amazing. I think for me it will be um, being able to, you know, I can work in my coaching. Of course, I can work really anywhere, um, as long as there's an internet. <laughs> I mean, really, in nursing too, in, in lots of respects, you can pretty much, at least in Australia, you can work sort of around. Um, so I don't know, maybe I still I dream of, you know, early morning beach walks and um, mm. warm, warm winters. So maybe it's, you know, it doesn't sound too much, like really, in some ways, but maybe it is. You know, going living on the in the on the east coast of Australia, you know, during winters, and just I don't know, just just enjoying life and and opening up to more and more and more. I, I don't know that I'm that defined yet. In fact, I had mm. a coaching call for myself a little while ago, and I got told, Lauren, you're being very specific because I was like, oh, well, it's got to be this or this, and they're like, well, why does it have to be this or this? You know, when we're so limited and trying to work mm. it out, we're creating fewer options, and that's what fear is. Fear equals fewer options. So as we open to abundance mindset, open to more possibilities, open to anything could be possible, but I don't even know what that looks like yet. So I'm sort of mm. more about let just let it unfold. Let me enjoy. I'm enjoying my life. I love how I feel. I love that I'm so grateful and abundant and, you know, really I have beautiful commu communication and connection with people. I love doing my coaching. I love deep contact. So even when I'm at work, you know, I have beautiful in my nursing role, you know, I have beautiful conversations with people and with my clients, with my, with my colleagues. And I think knowing once again, your value, I can just, I don't know, it's just unfolding and I'm sort of more open to adventure and open to the fun. And so rather than being really specific about it, I just know I love 
beautiful things. I love, I do love luxurious, luxurious things. Like I dream of those luxurious, Mm. beautiful holidays now that we can start traveling again. Mm. Um, you know, I want deep connection. I want, you know, great fun and family time and great sex and you know everything like yeah. just whatever. all the things yeah you know and it doesn't have to be yeah it's so rather than limiting it and making it look like it has to be this or this like just let's see what comes and let it be this or better you know Mm, that constant evolution and acceptance that there's just such abundance like it's it blows your mind you like that's when I think of an impossible career goal or an impossible life goal it's that like that it is uncapped like anything is possible for you you just have to be, like you know do the work to be, like start believing it practice believing it and take massive action until it happens for you I think like you touched on there and we've talked about is that we think we've got to have it all worked out. (laughs) And that just keeps so many people stuck. And the other part of it too is, you know, don't push, push. As soon as we push, 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 it's got to be this. And we're trying, we're striving so hard. You know, we're making it really uncomfortable. Whereas just what lights you up? And it might be different tomorrow. Like tomorrow I might have a completely different answer and that's okay. Mm. I don't judge myself on that. It's just like, well, this is where I feel at the moment and I don't really have, you know, I am about to go for a holiday and I am about to go walking on the beach for morning walks on, the, you know, the east coast of Australia. So that's all happening fairly soon. And, mm. yeah, and then what happens after that? I don't know. We'll just sort of see. So it's it's probably that, um, you know, just being able to follow you know, I would say follow the light, follow what lights me up and um, follow my passion. So who knows, maybe mm. I'll be doing painting in a year's time. I can't imagine it or seeing, I don't know. but <laughs> <laughs> We'll capture it here at High Performance Nursing. <laughs> I love yeah. that. That's so beautiful um, and super, super inspiring. I am so grateful for your time, your skills, knowledge, wisdom, experience, all of the things. Thank you so much for sharing them with us here at High Performance Nursing. Where can people find you? Uh, Go to my website, so uh, laurenbell.com.au. And one of the things I would like to share on there is actually a free, you can download uh, the chapter in my, in the anxiety relief handbook. And it's actually my chapter's called Professional Anxiety, Unleash Your Greatness. And it does have a bit in there about the soaring free model and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately it's, it's, yeah, knowing your value. And, you know, in there I talk about how, you know, my journey through burnout and perfectionism and, you know, these idealistic standards and things like that and so um, I think that's just a really good place to sort of start really recognizing your value and your greatness and yeah it's time to unleash it own it be the leaders I I see Mm. nurses as leaders we're an untapped resource but we yeah we we need to do it for ourselves first to then be able to just be you know give so much more but the point is we don't want to give from depletion we want to give from that fullness Mm, yeah such scope for self-coaching self-leadership to transform the industry i think is what what we could probably sum up this conversation in saying um and that is exciting because we're we're not even scratching the surface yet um so make sure you go to lauren's website download the book chapter there's lots of amazing resources on there also uh, lauren and elena mallory um 
are running a workshop. Um, it's probably already run um, when this has gone out. However, you will be able to access all of those links, I'm sure, through Lauren's website to go back and be able to purchase that and um, access to the course. So do that. Um, there's lots of amazing things there that you can tap into. And of course, reach out to Lauren. All of the links will be in the show notes um, in the bio. And just finally, Lauren, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being a fabulous host, Liam, and thank you for this awesome program and the coaching that you're doing. I, I wish I had have known you when I was going for some of the jobs <laughs> and you know the, the tips that I read now thinking, gosh, I didn't know I could do that or speak that or whatever. So, you know, the value that you give too. So thank you. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. If you've enjoyed this episode, which of course you have, please make sure that you share us on social media, tag both Lauren and I, we're on all the platforms. And um, please take a minute to leave us a review. It helps this podcast get in front of more people, uh, more clinicians just like you and helps them elevate their life, profession, their career, all the things. So we would be super grateful. Until next time, uh, stay curious and stay safe. Thanks, Lauren. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast episode, please take a wee minute to leave a review. It would mean the absolute world to me. If you are ready to start taking action in your career and you need some support, why wait? Come and join my private Facebook community. The link is in the show notes below. Within the community, we take what we discuss in this podcast and we put it into action. Currently, I am looking for nurses who are ready to stop playing small and invest in themselves to create the life and the career they want to live. If that sounds like you, then please get in touch. Until next time, thanks for listening. Stay safe and stay forever curious, my nursing friends.